Greetings, this is Carl, and you are listening to the free public feed of Behavior Gap Radio. And before we move on to today's episode, let me just tell you real quickly about Behavior Gap Radio. I record an episode every day except Sundays, and that is available in the subscriber feed. Available if you go to behaviorgapradio.com and sign up. So what you're hearing today is the episode that I release every Thursday to this public feed. So there's a whole party going on, and I think you would absolutely love it. So go to behaviorgapradio.com and join. What you'll get there is an episode every single day. I work really hard to keep them short. I work really hard to send you less. So they're between 3 and 12 minutes, no guess, me just talking about doing work in public, aligning our use of money with what's important to us, and generally living a life full of adventure. And I'd love to have you. So go to behaviorgapradio.com and sign up there. Now on with today's episode. Greetings, this is Carl. So one of my favorite venture capitalists, uh, general partner at Slow, is Sam Lesson. And he had this great tweet the other day that I just want to share with you and then talk a little bit about. Um, Here's the tweet. And this is from Sam. If there's one point of human base psychology to overcome, to thrive in the future, this is it. Train yourself to not mind losing. Let me just repeat because there's more. Train yourself to not mind losing. And to enjoy occasional big wins enough to offset losses. And here's the sort of kicker. Well, first of all, I love the word train yourself. That's really interesting to me. I want to talk about that. But here's the kicker. Loss aversion is great for the jungle, but terrible for asymmetric modernity, for asymmetric environment we live in now. So there's a lot to unpack here, but I, I first just want to point to this idea of train yourself to not mind losing. You know, we've talked about this. Um, There's that great academic phrase of error embracing. And then I have spent a lot of time thinking and talking about actively looking for disconfirming evidence, right? The process of building stuff in the world is make a guess, right? Have a bet, have a strong opinion, and then actively look for disconfirming evidence, right? And and that process of actively looking for disconfirming evidence is really counterintuitive and really hard, but it's it's just reality. In it's reality in business planning, it's reality in financial planning, it's it's reality in any kind of planning we could do when we live in a complex adaptive system which we do, then the idea that we are going to be right all the time is just absolutely flawed. And so we are actively looking for disconfirming evidence and training ourselves that that's okay. Train ourselves to be wrong. Train ourselves to be, what did Sam say? Train ourselves to not mind losing. So how do you do that? Well, you practice, right? And one way to practice is to write down every hunch you have, every bet you're making, every belief you have. And then when you're wrong, 
allow it to sting a little bit. Like that's that's the part that I think we still are, at least I'm still working out in my head, is we don't want being wrong. Uh, what I want to say is to not hurt, but that's not the right word because I think it's probably true. We It's okay if being wrong doesn't hurt. But, you know, I, I don't think I want to be good or comfortable at being wrong. I just... And at the same time, I want to train myself to not mind losing. I want to overcome loss aversion. So how do we do it? We practice, right? And then let's break down a little bit more because I think this is really good. Um, enjoying big wins to offset. And what Sam, I believe, is pointing to here, pointing to here is this asymmetric nature of the world that we live in, you know, where... Some things just tick along as, I mean, if you had like this pool of hunches or bets or things you wanted to start or things you wanted to try, um, you know, there would be a whole bunch of them. I mean, I think of this all the time. Like we, I fail all the time and most of the stuff I do isn't very good, right? I, we have this database, this Airtable database, um, the team here was super smart a couple years ago started a project kind of like unbeknownst to me really to catalog all the not unbeknownst to me but but you know really sort of felt strongly that it was important that we catalog all the because I was always referring to I have this big pile of intellectual property and Jacqueline on my team was like I don't, I don't think she liked the idea of a big pile you know, which is smart of her, like a big pile, like what use. So let's catalog it. Let's turn that into a useful asset. And so she really spearheaded this project where we cataloged all of the intellectual property. So we have an Airtable database with every sketch in it. We have an Airtable database with every blog post, every New York Times column, every book, every audio, every video that we can find. It's cataloged. It's cross-referenced. It's tagged. They're linked. It's amazing. And I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm always saying between, uh, sometimes I say 8,000, sometimes I say 4,000, sometimes I say 20,000. I don't know what the actual numbers are, but there's lots of stuff in there. And the way I think about that big pile of stuff is a lot of it is garbage. A lot of it. And, but because I've just kept at it, there's some gold mixed in with the garbage. And if I let the garbage bother me so much, so that's sort of this asymmetrical thing, like most of it is garbage, but every once in a while there's this thing that does really, really well, right? We just did a project, volume one, went really, really well. And that wouldn't have been possible if it weren't for all the garbage. So this sort of idea of, I mean, there's so much wrapped in that, like not knowing what the garbage is between the really good stuff. I fired myself from trying to decide that a long time ago. It, my job is to put more stuff into the world and see what lands, think carefully about it, do it in the right way, but see what lands. And then this idea of loss aversion, great for the jungle. So smart, right? It kept us alive. And there's another piece, like I, I have a very, I have a, the, the other piece that I think plays in here is sunk cost fallacy. And I have a very low, I have a very high barrier for sunk costs. Like I don't, I, I don't mind 
saying, well, that project didn't work. You know, like, I don't mind... Sometimes people use language like, I don't mind killing my favorite projects. And I don't. I don't. I mean, sometimes... But it still hurts a little bit. So I hope this riff is helpful. It's been really helpful for me to just sort of get, sort of codify, like, get some framework around doing creative work and the mix of sort of cognitive biases that we have, like loss aversion, confirmation bias, and sunk cost fallacy, endowment effect, all of that stuff plays into it. And we have to actively practice, which is what Sam's pointing to. I love this, like train yourself. We have to actively practice to overcome that because that stuff is embedded and it's kept us alive as a species in the jungle, but it certainly does not help in the lives we live now. Hope that's helpful, my friends. Stay in touch. Bye. Greetings. It's Carl again. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you enjoyed that, you would love being a subscriber. So go to behaviorgapradio.com and sign up and I'll see you there.